mask mandate with consequences for the small percentage of Hoosiers who choose not to protect themselves or protect others. And just like that, Democrat Woody Myers is out of the race. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm the Nerdy Merc. Thanks for thanks for listening. Make sure you go find me on all the social medias. Like, subscribe, share, do all the things. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, so that actually makes it a whole lot easier for, for me to do this section because I really only have to focus on on two people. I need to focus on Governor Holcomb and I need to focus on uh, Libertarian candidate Donald Rainwater. Now... Uh, what, now you may say, well, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, I, I think uh, Woody Myers has a real chance. No, no, he doesn't. People are tired of the masks. They're tired of the government being telling them what to do. I have lost track of the number of friends, and, and, and every day it's growing. The number of friends who have who who have been Democrat, who consider themselves Democrats, have called them, you know, I think still consider themselves Democrats, and they're. They're like, dude, I'm I'm on the Trump train. I I can't deal with what the Democrats are doing right now. In fact, last night I was I was actually, uh, I'm, full disclosure, I'm politically involved with things. I was at uh, uh, Senator Freeman, Senator Aaron Freeman, uh, District 32 here in Indiana, State Senator Aaron Freeman, excuse me. I was he's my he's my state senator. I was at his office last night making phone calls, calling calling. Um, um, on the fence people supposedly and uh, and uh, oh, what they call it? I forget um, people that are registered as Republicans but not likely to vote just trying to get people out and get them to vote and now I don't consider myself a Republican I support candidates that I believe in and I don't like everything about Aaron Freeman but I think he has I think he has Indiana's best intentions at heart and so that's why I support him but there were even there were like two or three people that I called last night that told me pretty much the same things. Like, yeah, I've been I've been a uh, either a one well one said uh, uh, that they okay so there were three. One said that that he uh, he'd been a, a Democrat his whole life and he's like I can't do this. They like the Democrat Party left me. That that kind of blew my mind. I'm like, wow, that's you know. I, I, I can appreciate that. I can I can understand that. And the other two were people who, like me, I, I, I have historically voted both sides of a ballot. I look at the candidates, and I decide, okay, this candidate over that candidate. And I've gone Democrat, Republican, one or two Libertarians, Independents here and there. But that's, that's how I voted. And I came up, and, and the other two people I, I talked to last night said that they... Uh, they, they couldn't, but they, this is going to be the first time they're going to vote straight ticket. They, they couldn't handle this anymore. And I thought that was phenomenal. But anyway, so back to the debates, I, I don't want to focus too much on, 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 on that kind of stuff. Uh, I actually was very impressed with the debates and the, the moderator, something downs, I don't remember his name. I thought he asked some very good questions and it, I was really worried about the virtual debate format, but it actually went very smoothly. Every candidate that had something to say had a chance to say it. The The time seemed to be fairly even. It was very... It was, it was actually... It was quite nice to watch. I mean, don't get me wrong. Donald Trump debate is fun to watch, but it's not very informative. You don't really get a feel for what where where these people stand on issues because Donald Trump and 
let's be honest here, he's a bull in a china shop. He really is. I mean, he, he, the best way to describe <laughs> watching a debate with Donald Trump is is like this. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Pick the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Oh, yeah. And of course, that's the late, great Lloyd Bridges, one of the comedy the comedy geniuses of our time. Anyway, so I'm going to cover... I've got the debate broken down into all the main categories and all the main sections. I'm going to cover them in order of importance to me from first to least, and we're going to see how much time we fill up, okay? So let's dive right into it. First off... The thing that impressed me most about about the debate was Donald Rainwater, because I thought, and I'm not gonna be. Most libertarians are kind of one trick ponies, you know. They have constitution or legalize weed, and that's that's their big thing, and they and they really don't have anything for the other uh, for the uh, other topics. Donald Rainwater proved he was not a one trick pony. Now, we're going to stick with taxes, though. Although many seniors have paid their mortgages off, they are still paying property taxes. They may face face tax liens and foreclosures because of rising prices and can't make paying property taxes on a fixed come possible uh, when they are making their other expenditures. A voter from Kokomo had this question. Will you consider eliminating yearly property taxes for seniors with combined incomes under $150,000? My position on property taxes? They're 100% theft. How can you actually own property if you still pay taxes on it every year? Hmm? So if I have my entire loan paid off, I have the deed to my land and my house, and I still have to pay taxes on it. If I don't pay my taxes, state comes and takes it. I never fully own my house. Property taxes, in my opinion, are one of the biggest scams. Or I should say recurring property taxes are one of the biggest thefts. That's a better word, thefts by government. And you always have the libertarian saying, taxation is theft, taxation is theft. Yeah, well, I don't disagree, but right now our society is, is, is funded by taxes. And you can't just say, well, I'm going to get rid of it without having some sort of plan in place. Let's take a look. Well, years ago, under the Daniels administration, as I alluded to earlier, I mentioned we permanently in the Constitution capped property taxes for this very reason. We did a one, two, three. For individuals, uh, we capped it at 1%. For farms, ag property, 2%. For businesses, 3%. For this very reason, and we just most recently for veterans, uh, made sure that we exempted their pensions from state income tax. Again, for this very I'm going to have to cut off uh, the governor as he was speaking right there because that's not entirely accurate. Uh, and, and we'll get to the caps later. I'm talking about the veteran part. I am a veteran, and first off, it only applies to veteran, re- excuse me, veteran military retiree income. It doesn't apply to veteran income, just military retiree income. And so there's a difference there. I feel that we should be a little bit more accurate. And second off, I'm, I'm going to be outright honest. I didn't agree with that when it happened, and I am a veteran. I have people, I know people that that directly affects but what you're doing with that type of legislation is creating a different class of citizens saying, hey, you don't have to pay tax. Everyone else has to pay taxes, but you don't have to pay taxes on this. 
So I mean, if you're going, if you're going to, if you're going to make taxes a thing, if taxes are a thing, then they should be applied equally across the board. Uh, let's continue with Governor Holcomb. Over the years, we've cut taxes 19 different times: property taxes, income taxes, corporate and individual. The question then remains, how do you replace the revenue if you eliminate some taxes? Are you going to eliminate your public safety? Are you going to eliminate school funding? Are you going to eliminate libraries and parks, Medicaid recipients, et cetera? So it's easy to talk about doing away with something, but you need to have a plan to replace it or citizens will suffer. And he's right. Let's hear Donald Rainwater's response. Perhaps uh, Governor Holcomb has forgotten that the 1% cap is on your assessed value and that they can come out and reassess your property every year, which means your taxes still go up. And seniors are, are suffering because of that. Uh, I realize that one of the things that I have suggested as a possible alternative to personal property tax on your primary residence is converting that to a 7% sales tax due at the time of closing on your property. Like I said, alternative solutions. Now, I personally don't know if this would work or not. I, I kind of did a, a little bit of number crunching myself. If I had done that, right now I'm paying, I don't know, uh, with, now granted I'm a veteran so I get a little bit of a better deal, but I'm paying about 1% property taxes, I think. That sounds right. Um... I'm, I'm, I'm like the homestead something or I don't I don't remember. Maybe it's not because I'm a veteran. Whatever. Irrelevant. So if my house, when I bought it uh, in 2015, was almost $200,000. And so 7% on that would be $14,000. So I'm paying $14,000 up front. I did the math. It would take me about 12 years to, to get to that $14,000 mark just paying my, my annual property taxes every year. So right there, it seems viable, and, and, and I'm looking on uh, a, a website called uh, creditsesame.com, and it shows what's called a nesting phase, which is basically is, is a little graph that uh, goes from 2003 to 2011, and it's showing the, the, the amount of time people are living in their houses. And, and most of those, the, the biggest bulk of people are staying in their house between three and uh, 15 years with, you know, the, the top of the bell curve being six to eight years. And if you, people are staying there and for six to eight years that they're paying 7% on their, on their, uh, uh, on their homes every time they buy a new home. Well, that right there would definitely make up in the income or the, excuse me, as governor Holcomb put it, the revenue. So it seems like a viable plan, but again, the point is he had an alternative. He had he had a suggestion and he has an idea for a replacement for that. And that way, I totally agree with it. You know, just like you you, you buy a car, you buy a candy bar, you buy a TV, you're going to pay that sales tax up front. Boom, it's yours. You don't ever have to you don't ever have to pay that sales tax again. That's that's a great idea. Let's go on. A number of voters asked if you support the right to care for people to carry a firearm without a permit, or as some call it, constitutional carry. Whether you do or not, why do you think this has not been accomplished given that the Republicans control the General Assembly and the governor's office for the last several years? I was actually upset at the question. I didn't think it was the right question. I think it should have been straight up, do you support it? And Donald Rainwater was the first one 
that that got to respond to that question, and I thought his response was quite brilliant. First of all, I absolutely support constitutional carry in the state of Indiana. And then he went on to answer the question. So right out the gate on that one, boom, ball is in Governor Holcomb's court. What does Governor Holcomb say? You know, for years and years, the General Assembly, as long as I can remember going back, has cherished our Second Amendment. Okay, it's going to be one of those types of answers, so let's just fast forward this. And we'll continue to. Now, what we have to make sure of is that we don't hamstring our law enforcement officials when, they're, when they could prevent a tragic circumstances, and we know those occur. It's just reality. We've made it easy, in fact, free to obtain a five-year uh, gun permit in the state of Indiana. So that's not a uh, cost consideration for those who want to own a gun for protection or for hunting, etc. So we'll continue to cherish the Second Amendment, and I don't want to do anything that would put law enforcement in a more dangerous situation. Article 1, Section 32 of the Indiana Constitution states, The people shall have a right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state. I'm, please show me the qualifying language in there regarding licenses. Please show me where it says that you must demonstrate a need to carry a, to carry a firearm. There's nothing wrong with constitutional carry. There's about a dozen, maybe a little bit more states that have gone to it. Well, there's, there's one state that's never had any sort of licensing scheme. Um, Vermont or New Hampshire. I always get them too mixed up. But one of them, there are several states that have gone back to constitutional carry with no issues. So I know it's a little sped up there, but Governor Holcomb mentioned the safety of law enforcement was paramount. And in the... And in the summer study a few years ago here in the, in the Indiana General Assembly on constitutional carry, there were Indiana Sheriff's Associations and a couple of other law enforcement associations that were crying about, well, this seems like it's going to be a bad idea and, you know, we're concerned about the safety of, of our police officers. And yet when directly challenged on if they could show the data that supported that statement, is absolutely not surprising given Governor Holcomb's lack of commitment to our rights and our freedoms and our liberties. So I thought the I unfortunately I don't have the time to to get to every question. I'm starting to get up against the clock here, but I really wanted to make sure I got to the last question that was asked that was asked, excuse me. I thought it was a good question. And there's a little bit more to it, but let's go ahead and hear the question. This question comes from a libertarian in Brownsburg. What do you believe is the fundamental role of government? And if elected, how do you plan to fulfill that role? That is a beautiful question. Hands down, a beautiful question. One that should be asked, in my opinion, of every candidate running for any office anywhere. I don't care if it's school board to the president of the United States. That is a beautifully worded question. So many people don't know the answer to that. They think the government is there to give them free stuff. They think the government is there to take care of them. They think the government is there to make their lives better. When, in fact, my personal view, how I would answer that question were I to be asked, I would say the government is there to make the playing field equal for everyone and to provide for opportunities for excellence. Everything else is up to you. You need to put in the work. If you want to be excellent, you put in the work to be excellent. The government isn't going to do it for you. The government is not going to give you a leg up. The government is not going 
The government is not there to subsidize your life and to make it excellent. That falls on you. I'll be honest, I didn't recognize, I didn't even think about the, 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 the person that asked the question, but Libertarian in Brownsburg, the second time I listened to it when I was preparing for the show, I'm like, I know who that is. And if you're listening right now, I heard you. Heard you loud and clear. <laughs> uh, let's go on to the answers, though. Yeah, we are, uh, as governor, um, charged with overseeing all the very agencies that interact with citizens on a hourly, minute-by-minute basis. And fortunately, the state of Indiana, over the last 16 years, has enjoyed a lot of certainty and predictability and continuity in terms of our not just hope for the future, but our growth. We see that when it comes to our economy. We see that when it comes to our families. And we see that when it comes to our communities. We'll continue to focus on just that. Notice that he doesn't actually answer the question. He sidesteps it. He dodges it. Holcomb is very good at doing that. When you ask him a tough question, he'll he'll respond with generic platitudes like, well, we've had 16 years of stability and we need to focus on helping Hoosiers, you know, things change minute by minute. And and and, and again, it's it's a complete dodge. Now, I, I actually found it hilarious that the person that submitted that question, he's not a fan of Holcomb at all. If you guys recognize, if, if you're here local Indianapolis area and you and you listen to some of the same radio I do, you probably know who it is. He's not a fan of Holcomb at all, and he knew Holcomb would not be able to answer that question. He'd kind of stutter and stammer and, oh, did, oh, did I say stutter? Sorry, that's a no-no. But anyway, yeah, he knew Holcomb would not be able to answer that question very well. What, uh, what did Donald Rainwater say? Uh, let's listen. In the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson said, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. He didn't say to do economic development or to protect you from yourself or to protect you from a virus. He said to secure these rights. And I believe that it is government's responsibility to secure your individual rights and not infringe on them and use a crisis as an excuse. So that is, to me, the function of government. To secure your rights. Now, yeah, he tied in, he tied all this in with, with the COVID, but the function of government is to secure your rights. Yes, 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 come to Papa! Prior to this debate, I was about 70-30 in camp rainwater now i'm full-on 100 i'm voting for rainwater unfortunately we have reached the end of this segment if you have any questions comments suggestions give me a call 317-978-NERD that's 317-978-6373 or go to any of the social medias i'm on them all find me hit like hit subscribe make sure you share thanks for listening stick around for the next segment as we wrap up today's show